Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week from our new studios in downtown Portland, Oregon. In segment two, we're going to give you the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. In segment three, Chris Mike. He's the vice president of the Step Change Group. He's a social media expert. He's written numerous pieces for us at sportsbusinessradio.com. He's worked for Nike, Converse. Good listen if you want to hear about what's going on in the social media space, in the sports world. That's coming up with Chris Mike in segment three. In segment four, John Orand. He is a sports media reporter for the Sports Business Journal and the Sports Business Daily. Record-setting numbers so far in the NFL on TV, and we'll cover some other topics, Major League Baseball playoffs, and I'll get his thoughts on the decision with LeBron James, since I haven't had John on in a while. That's all coming up on today's show. A couple of other notes. Visit our newly redesigned website, sportsbusinessradio.com. You can find our Twitter and Facebook links, our link to our iTunes podcast there, all kinds of good stuff at sportsbusinessradio.com. want to remind you, on September 21st, we have... Major League Soccer Commissioner Don Garber coming to Portland for a live luncheon. I will moderate it with Paul Swangard from the Warsaw Center. Get your tickets at sportsbusinessradio.com. They're going fast. Griggs, you went to Disneyland. How was it? Unbelievable and uh, just as magical as ever. I mean, that place has it down to a T, man. And you've got a little one like I do, so the little ones, they just, they're in heaven, aren't they? Oh, man, it's great. We walked in and literally, like, walked in Main Street. There's Mickey. And he's just like, okay, I'm set. And we run over there and get the picture. It was it was awesome. That's great. Well, I'm glad you had a good time, and it's good to have you back in the studio. All right, headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is SBR. Back with more after this. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one, enormous record-setting ratings for the NFL in week one. Viking Saints did a 17.7 rating. Second, it was the best regular season primetime game in 13 years for a Thursday night. Griggs, it did a 60 in New Orleans, which basically means everyone in Louisiana was either watching the game on TV or they were at the game. A 60 is like a Super Bowl rating. Unbelievable. And, you know, I was there watching it, too. But, I mean, can you imagine being in that city? I'm sure it was a huge game and obviously huge for the people there. Well, and before the game, they had, like, another Super Bowl victory parade, and it was a little Mardi Gras festivities, and lots of people hyped for that game. On Sunday night, Cowboys Redskins, Donovan McNabb debuting at quarterback for the Washington Redskins, the most watched Sunday night football game ever, 25.3 million viewers. And it's not just the actual games that people are watching for the NFL. Hard Knocks on HBO, I watched it. I was addicted to it. The finale did a huge number, 4.4 million viewers. They averaged 1.9 million viewers. And, uh, you know, I thought it was really good programming. As a matter of fact, I thought it was award-winning programming. I love the finale when uh, Revis comes back and they all bow down to him. I just thought it was really well done. We've seen the Jets have had some problems this week. And if you watch that show, you can see that there's a pretty loose feeling in that locker room wasn't too surprising to me, but uh, really good insight. And I think when people watch these types of shows, that's what they want. They want behind-the-scenes access, and they got it on that show. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, basically, if it's football, it's up. I mean, college was up all across the board. NFL's up. It's it, People are just loving football right now. Our next headline, the U.S. Open, the finals delayed until Monday. Never a good thing when everyone's working. You're trying to get people to ditch work and come to your finals on Monday. And Rafael Nadal won that match. 23,771 people turned out. Kim Kleisters won the U.S. Open women's draw. Overall, you know, pretty good finals, but it just doesn't seem to be that there's the buzz around the U.S. Open that there used to be. By the way, speaking of tennis, if you have a chance to watch Unmatched, it's one of the 30 for 30 episodes from ESPN. It was about Chris Everett, Martina Navratilova. Fantastic documentary. Unmatched on ESPN 30 for 30. Watch it. Our next headline, Major League Baseball and its 30 teams announced the master schedule for the 2011 season already. And they're going to start the season early, Griggs. They're going to start with five games on a Thursday, March 31st. The reason they're starting early, and I think it's a great idea, is they're going to end early. They are now going to play the Fall Classic in October instead of having games in November when it's getting colder and colder. And I think this makes a lot of sense. Plus, we've talked about this for years on this show. When we start getting to late October and early November, people are talking about football. They're not focused on baseball. Baseball is losing mind share. I think it's very smart. One of the few smart things that Bud Sea League has done as commissioner that they're starting the season earlier and going to play the World Series earlier. Yeah, I think it's great all the way around. And the Thursday night thing, too. I mean, it works well for NFL. It works well for college. So now you got uh, some baseball adding to Thursday night, too. So I think it's good. 
Our last headline, Coca-Cola, is said to be on the verge of ditching Manchester United forward Wayne Rooney because company officials are horrified and bewildered by his reported use of prostitutes. This is according to the London Daily Mail. They pay about $924,000 a year, Coca-Cola does, to Wayne Rooney. And uh, he's gotten into some other messes off the field as well. So here's yet another athlete who has gotten in trouble off the field and lost sponsorships. Lesson to be learned, but it seems like the athletes never do quite learn. All right, coming up next, Chris Mike. He's a social media expert. He's worked for Nike, for Converse, for EA Sports. He writes for us at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're going to talk about the use of social media in the sports world. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. What were the terms that got that big deal done? These guys know. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Chris Mike. He's a veteran sports marketer. He's held senior level marketing positions at EA Sports, Nike, and Converse. He now heads up strategic accounts at Step Change Group, a social media agency in Portland, Oregon. And best of all, he writes for us on sportsbusinessradio.com. Chris, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio this week. Thanks for having me, Brian. So you've written some really terrific columns for us as of late. Um, I want to start off with your one entitled, For NFL Players, Social Media Hits Hard. You make a really good point. You talk about how the average career span of an NFL player is three and a half years. And these players really try and brand themselves and market themselves while they're in the spotlight. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit and who you think is doing the best job of the NFL players utilizing social media. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I think what's happening now and, and what's really been sort of this big sea change over the last few years is that players themselves um, have, have realized the importance and the value uh, in their own personal brand and how that impacts uh, their ability once their playing days are over to actually earn and, and um, you know, sort of carry on their career. And you know, as years passed, players didn't have a lot of control over their personal brand. They could sign endorsement deals, but it was really the companies that they were working with that were expressing or using those players um, to, to build the company's brand. Now, players can actually take control over their own personal brand uh, through, through avenues and channels like social media and build audiences. And so what you're seeing is players taking control players investing in 
their own personal brand and their ability to generate audiences and and have followings that will be with them long after they're done playing. It's interesting. We know the news about Reggie Bush this week. He's been stripped of the Heisman Trophy. He's got nearly 1.3 million Twitter followers. Puts him in the top 10 of all professional athletes, as you noted in your column. He's got a photo stream on Flickr, a branded YouTube channel. But he's been pretty silent throughout all of this. We've read some little blurbs, but do you think he's utilizing his social media platforms in the correct way? Yeah, you know, I think he's he's done a fantastic job, obviously, um, connecting with fans and, um, you know, investing in the platforms and doing the things right to, to get that following. The problem is now I think he's, he's sort of sitting back, and it's hard for athletes, especially the situation that Reggie's in, to sort of face that front on. Let's face it, you know, they are not PR uh, experts like you, Brian. They, they, you know, when it comes to tough situations like this um, – you know, it's hard for them to figure out the right way to address that. And what what's great about Reggie's situation, he has this platform. He's got a ton of people listening to him and a ton of people that want to connect with him and want the story. They want to understand what he's thinking. And he just needs, I think, somebody to be advising him that, this is, you know, he, he's sort of built this platform. Now he now is when he can derive some value from that and utilize that to sort of take this, this situation head on and, and you know, give, give his side of the story. Yeah, I mean, without going into another story on this whole Reggie Bush deal, I would have liked to have just seen a simple tweet from him this week that says, I'm sorry for the trouble I've caused, you know, USC and anyone that I may have hurt by my, you know, situation in the last few years. Something simple. But, you know, like you say, a lot of these guys are advised by people and some of them don't get very good advice. And others, you know, like Tiger Woods, don't listen to the advice they're given. So there's not a lot you can do. There's some other people that have really enhanced their brand on Twitter and on Facebook, and Chad Ochocinco is one of those guys. I think, you know, if he wasn't doing the OCNN and some of the things like that, he probably wouldn't have a reality show. He plays in Cincinnati, which is not a big media market. He's really utilized social media to make himself bigger than where he plays. And frankly, you know, he's a good talent, but he's not a top 10 player. Absolutely. I mean, Chad has, has... Chad is very, very savvy. I mean, you have to respect a guy for having the sort of foresight and the vision to see where what this platform can do for for an athlete and and really leverage it and dive in. I mean, the guy doesn't do anything halfway. He's he's fully embraced it, and he's gonna you know uh, be able to sort of reap the rewards from that. Um, you know, another guy as you mentioned, folks that that sort of aren't at the at the top of their career, let's, let's look at a guy like Warren Sapp. I mean, this guy has hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter, 400,000, over 400,000 followers. He's retired. I mean, he's not even in the spotlight anymore. And the guy has a sizable audience of people that want to connect and, and be a part of him. So he's embraced it as well. So it's not just the players that are actively playing. I think if you look, there's, there's plenty of examples out there of folks that are out of the playing spotlight but have managed – to embrace social media and and have have been able to find ways to capitalize on that. Well, and it's not just the players, it's the coaches. And this yeah. is a real interesting story here. I mean, you point out in your column, Pete Carroll, 430,000 fans and followers. John Calipari, the coach at Kentucky, he's got over a million followers. 
it used to be that it was hard for coaches to reach out to players to express their viewpoints. And now, you know, social media is utilized by these players that they're recruiting, the young players that they're signing to their professional football teams. It's really a way for coaches to enhance their brand and communicate with the young audience. Absolutely. I think, you know, the coaches, you know, everybody's looking for a recruiting edge. Everybody's looking for an opportunity to be relevant and to connect. And college sports, you bring up no different than pro sports. You have fans, you have passionate fans who have opinions and who want to be connected to the teams. And um, the coaches are, you know, real primary figures with those organizations and schools and and, you know, are, are, some of them are doing a real good job of connecting with their alumni base and their supporters. And that goes a long way to building sort of an, and continuing that fan passion for the program. We're joined by Chris Mike. He's a veteran sports marketer. He's held senior level positions at EA Sports, Nike, and Converse. He's with the Step Change Group, social media agency in Portland, Oregon. You can follow Chris on Twitter at C underscore Mike. Chris, which leagues are doing the best job of not only enhancing their league brand via social media, but also kind of monitoring and watchdogging the players and and the people in their leagues? Well, I think um, all the leagues are doing an okay job. I I have been impressed with the way the NHL, believe it or not, has embraced social media. Um, It seems to be a a pretty high strategic priority for that league. And given the fact that it's a, you know, as we've we've talked about and you've talked about on on your show a number of times, sort of a lower tier sport, it doesn't have the – the fan base that, say, the NBA and the NHL or the NFL does, um, they're looking for ways to, de- to connect with fans on a deeper level. And they know that since they don't have the big numbers, that what they do have, however, is a, is a real passionate um, following. And they're, they're really doing a good job of leveraging social media and connecting on all those channels to, to keep that following engaged with, with the league and with the sport. Well, another league that I think utilizes social media in a fine fashion is Major League Soccer. And if you look at soccer fan, they're really into social media. Yeah. Uh, I was checking out the Facebook page for Major League Soccer, and I think they have 61,000-plus followers. And you know, on Twitter, they're doing tens of thousands of followers, too. So you know, I think you raise a good point. Talk about general tw- trends with Twitter and uh, Facebook. You know, I know they were hot. Are they still trending upward? Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, for, from, uh, from just a sheer reach standpoint, Facebook with over 500 million users now um, is, is really just dominant. It, 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 it continues to, um, you know, be the platform within social media that gives brands, fans, players, not only the opportunity to connect um, and stay engaged, but real estate and, and, you know, landscape to sort of get across multimedia experiences, whether it's video or photos or, or applications that drive deeper engagement. So um, because of the way that it's set up and because of the, the sheer volume of people that are connected, um, it, it tends to be sort of the, the, the biggest place. And I, I read a stat the other day where now more people are using Facebook uh, more time is spent on Facebook than on Google. So it, it, is, it is growing still by leaps and bounds. Twitter, um, you know, sort of died out in terms of buzz factor a while ago, but, but remains very, very relevant, um, especially, you know, sports uh, uh, athletes, entertainers, um, folks who are looking to, to sort of connect in that 140-character fashion. 
um, seems to still do really, really well. And, and that's why you see hundreds of thousands of folks following, you know, primarily entertainers and, and sports figures. And uh, just because it's a great way for a fan to, to keep connected to their favorite entertainer or their favorite player. Um, so, yeah, there, there's no sign right now of, of slowing down. And you see a lot of teams um, really embracing this and you see a lot of brands embracing this so that that social uh, because of the volumes of people that are in, engaged in the social space, um, are really turning their entire communications platforms or organizing them around social concepts. You wrote another column for us at sportsbusinessradio.com about the Miami Heat and really taking advantage of these three high-profile players that they have playing on their team now. LeBron James, who just recently joined Twitter, Dwayne Wade, and and Chris Bosh, three very active social media users. If you were the Miami Heat, how would you capitalize on those three large audiences to promote your brand? Well, there there are a lot of things that, that they can be doing, um, and you know, as of the the time that I wrote the actual blog post, they they really hadn't done much, um, and and I still stand sort of by the the statement that there is this they have this huge opportunity, and I, and I actually think you know to be fair, they've got some time before the season starts to sort of ramp up that thinking, and and really fans are are still they're they're talking about football right now, and basketball is not quite top of mind, but. Um, you know they they need to really invest in in leveraging those personalities on the major platforms, be it Facebook, Twitter, um, and YouTube. And and there are a lot of things that they could be doing from location-based applications to um, fan generate user-generated content um, contests and sweepstakes. Uh, things that, that essentially get people to connect and feel like they are more a part of the team. And with Facebook as a platform, especially the ability to create applications that drive deeper engagement is there. And they, ha- they have the content. The content's the hard part, right? They've got the players, and now they just need to actually put that together in a meaningful way that, that gets fans involved. Talk for a moment about these location-based applications, because one of the columns you wrote was, you know, hey, you can find someone at a sporting event via your mobile device or via, you know, social media, meet up with them. I mean, it's a whole new world out there. Absolutely. And and it's not new. Uh, Facebook, Facebook obviously just entered the location-based service um, within the last few months with Facebook Places. But before that, uh, Gowalla and Foursquare have been playing in that space quite successfully. Um, so the the ability for people um, mobily to check in at locations um, has been around for a while. The the what has happened, however, is Facebook, uh, with the introduction of Places, now brings a platform with 500 million people using it, um, and we know that that the vast majority of folks that are active in Facebook do it mobily. So all of a sudden, as a marketer, you have this opportunity, or as a, as, a, as a team or a franchise, you have this opportunity to leverage the fact that everybody's got to get together for a game in a certain location and create some buzz around that. Have people check in at the arena, at the stadium, at the ballpark, reward them for being good fans, and all that activity, all that noise is generated within the social spectrum. So when folks check in, it appears on Twitter, it can appear on your Facebook wall. Um, So all of that noise is basically bubbling up around the team and the franchise, and they have the opportunity to engage with the fan on that platform and then reward them for being there. 
Chris, last question. I'm in the PR space, and I continue to be amazed by the people who don't realize that Twitter and Facebook are like talking into the microphone that I'm talking into right yeah. now. And then when it blows up in their face, they go, oh my gosh, I didn't know there was anyone out there listening or reading that. You know, I thought that was just between my friends. Who out there has, I guess, made the worst PR blunder, whether it's an athlete or entertainer, politician that you can think of off the top of your head as far as uh, misusing the power of social media? Oh, I don't know. There, there's probably a number of um, examples of, of folks that have done it. Um, y- you know, the, the, the issue that you bring up, I think, is, is really the key one, which is, you know, it may only seem like 140 characters, but the fact is now that in, the, in this sort of world of self-publishing, that 140 characters, you may just think go out to your friends, but it can actually go out to millions of people. And, and especially if you're an entertainer or an athlete where you have a fan base, people are listening. And you have to be really, really careful about what you say um, the, you know, because that, you know, that information is out there. And um, it, it may seem like a comment that, that, that doesn't mean much at the time that it's typed, um, but it can have massive implications. I mean, Kansas City Chief running back Larry Johnson, I, I use that in my blog, is, is a great example. One comment um, made uh, on a Twitter post, which essentially got him kicked out of Kansas City. And um, sure, there was a lot of other stuff going on at the time, and, but, but literally, players, athletes, entertainers are held accountable now. And they have to be real careful about how they use this because it's not, a, it's not about something you say showing up in a paper a week later. Now it happens instantly. Well, and to bring that down to our listeners' level, you know, I know of people that work for corporations that have lost their jobs because of being overly critical of the company they work for on Facebook or Twitter, and it just doesn't fly anymore. The other stat I always throw out, and this was in USA Today about three months ago, 80% of employers that are hiring, looking for people to hire, are checking your social media pages when they're conducting their background checks on you and doing interviews with you. Big number, people. So what you say and do on your social media pages definitely impacts how people view you. Yep, absolutely. Chris, thank you so much for joining us this week on Sports Business Radio. Again, you can follow Chris on Twitter, C underscore Mike, twitter.com C underscore Mike. Chris, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks a lot, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SB Radio. Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, 
or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is John Auer, and he is the sports media reporter for the Sports Business Journal and the Sports Business Daily. You can find those entities online at sportsbusinessdaily.com or sportsbusinessjournal.com. John, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. I always love being here. Enormous record-setting ratings for the NFL on TV in Week 1. I mean, I think the craziest number I saw that you tweeted out, that the Vikings-Saints game did a 60 in New Orleans. I mean, maybe you can explain to our listeners what those ratings mean. Like, what does a 60 mean? To me, it means, like, everyone was either at the game or watching the game on TV in New Orleans. Yeah, basically, that, that, that's exactly what that means. <laughs> the, uh, the, the ratings for the, the opening weekend are, uh, are up so significantly over last year, which is uh, just an incredible story because last year's ratings were the best by miles. So it's a uh, it, it's the NFL right now is is the type of league where on TV it can do no wrong because everywhere they were up they were up on the the opening Thursday night game the Sunday night game was uh, was the most viewed Sunday night football game ever the uh, Monday night football was was way up Fox was way up CBS was uh, not up quite as much but they they were up as well so it was it's across the board and it's just this this um, just this hunger and this passion for for the for the NFL that doesn't doesn't exist with any other league any or, or really like any other TV programming out there i mean it's it's really the NFL is is just as dominant as anything i've ever seen why do you think the NFL is so dominant is it because of the product on the field is it because of the way it's presented by the networks is it because we've got HD TV now and it's so beautiful to watch in our living room what is it I, you know, I think it's a, a combination of, of a lot of things. Um, I, I actually took that question to a, a bunch of the TV executives, and none of them had had, had an answer. None, none of them know that. In fact, they always talk about you know storylines, and I know, I know the the whole Brett Favre situation really frustrates a lot of fans. You know, all, all off season, you know, will he will will he return? Won't he return? But for the NFL, it gets it gets people talking about the NFL, and you know months where nobody would be talking about the NFL in May and in June and and it helps the the storyline of Brett Favre even though he he's not nearly as beloved as he was a couple of years ago he he brings in such massive ratings that it's uh, you know that's a storyline so 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 they love that uh the New Orleans uh had a great storyline where um you know they they were coming back from Katrina and, and they were like re, re uh, vitalizing the the entire city and the entire community over there and there's there's another really good storyline there the Dallas Cowboys you know they they've been good with a you know superstar uh sort of almost a matinee idol quarterback you know they're they're you know the New York Yankees of the NFL so when when they do good that's another great storyline there so they they you have a lot of good storylines and then to top it off as you mentioned, you have technology. I mean, 
football on TV is it, it was made for TV almost. It's it's a it's a great game and uh, to watch on a big screen TV and and so you have all that and you also have uh, how many people do you know that that do fantasy football? I mean, it's it, it, so it, many. That, that is so huge and it gets people watching games that they wouldn't normally watch because I mean, how many how many people watch the Chiefs and the Chargers because they might have like a fantasy player going right. and and uh, you know that's not necessarily a game that nationally would uh, create create a lot of interest there. So I I, I really think fantasy for football has has really helped uh helped the ratings as well but I don't think there's any one thing I think that that it's just the, you know many many different things. So here's the riddle for the NFL and the owners and the executives. While we have these tremendous record-setting TV ratings, attendance is down at games. There's a blackout rule in the NFL. If you don't sell out your game within what is it 72 hours in advance of kickoff, then the game doesn't show in your local market. We've seen Jacksonville have problems with that. San Diego, looks like the Chargers may not sell out their game this weekend. That's bad news for the NFL when you're hosting eight home games a year and you're not selling those out. I know that's a concern for the commissioner and the others in the league office. You know, it, it's a it's a real concern, and, and they've put a priority into trying to make the game experience uh, a, a lot a lot better than it is. Um, the you know to put things in perspective, how many leagues would love to say like, oh boy, we, you know we're not completely sold out of every game. There's a big problem. So I, I, I think you know, it, there's a, once again the NFL is starting from a from a place where a lot a lot of other leagues would would love to be. But still, uh, to your point, the, the NFL has identified this as, as something that they really need to improve, and so they're, they're doing different things this this season that are that, that really is designed to improve the fan experience. And because really, you know, for me personally, I'd much rather watch a game at home, you know, with with my you know my own refrigerator and my own couch and my right. you know HD TV than to have to battle like you know, traffic getting to the stadium and then have to deal with, you know, the, the obnoxious drunken fan that's, that's two two rows away at, you know, at the stadium and then have to battle the crowd going out of the stadium. And it, it, it's it's not, sometimes it's not a very good experience, but they are doing things where, um, you know, they're, show, they're showing more highlights apparently in, in, in the stadiums from a, the NFL authorized and to, uh, to, to show with some red zone highlights um, from from uh, the red zone channel that, that, that they have going they have uh, the more handheld so that you can actually look at uh, replays you know which uh, which is always like the biggest gripe I hear from people when, when they go to the stadium it's like you don't see the replays you know I mean right. so, so it's a, actually somewhat of a, war, of a worse experience there um, and you know a lot of teams are actually uh, at least two teams have hired people from Disney to m- make it more like visiting a theme park or whatever as opposed to just going to a game and, and, and just trying to make the experience to, just better so that you don't want to stay at home and, and just watch it on the uh, on your HD that it becomes a place that you know you really really want to get out and and, uh, and watch a game from. As a side note, I tweeted out this week a terrific column by Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, talking about the challenge of getting people off their couches to bring them to the game live and in person. Really good insight from Mark Cuban. Uh, John Aaron from Sports Business Journal and Sports Business Daily joining us here on Sports Business Radio. John Fox is almost sold out of all of their Super Bowl commercial inventory. We're months away from the game. 30-second spot's going to run advertisers about $3 million. Are you surprised that we're looking at a sold out scenario this early yeah i feel like i'm doing pr for the nfl because <laughs> every every story that's coming out of the nfl is is just a wildly positive story uh story 
Um, I'm shocked that, that, that Fox is as, as far along and getting as high a price as they're getting uh, for, for, for the Super Bowl already. I mean, people, net, networks always go into Super Bowl week with, you know, one or two spots still left to sell and then, and then having to sell them. But, but you know, Fox, that, that, that didn't happen. I mean, the, the, the market right now for and, – and this is actually – goes beyond the NFL a little bit. It's a, it's the market for football because um, uh, the the regular season NFL is is virtually sold out there. They're all more than, more than ninety percent sold on on all the networks. Um, college football is virtually sold out across the board. I mean, you if you want to buy a spot in in NBC's Notre Dame broadcast, you're you're out of luck. I mean, they're completely sold out. Uh, CBS stopped taking orders for. It's SEC football games a month before the season even started. So the the, the market right now for for live sports and, and live football in particular is is just as red hot as anything I've ever seen in the business. So the economy is definitely uh, coming around. I guess if people are spending this kind of money for a thirty second spot, uh, I, I wish I, I wish I could say we're not headed to a double dip recession. I, I do know the ad market right now for for uh, for football is good. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm. If, if you can then take that and, and talk, about, talk about the overall general economy. Yeah. Let's look at Major League Baseball playoffs. Those are set to start pretty soon. Uh, TBS, they've got their lineup of announcers set. Um, who do you think does the best job of delivering postseason baseball on TV? Uh, that's a good question. I, 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 I really like... Um, I know people don't don't necessarily like uh, McCarver and, and Buck, but I think, I think they do a nice job o- over at Fox. Uh, I, I think that that the TBS uh, started off pretty poor and and it has been finding its way. But I think that that, that at the end of uh, the playoffs last year, I thought I thought they did a really good job. But I think that this is one of the one of the unique things about baseball to me is I feel that the regional sports networks actually during the regular season do the best job of covering the teams. They seem to have the the most cameras and the best angles and and uh, you know it and. In some cases, the announcers are atrocious, but in some cases, they're they're really good. Um, and I, I do kind of wish, you know, as as you go into the playoffs, you always compare against, you know, the uh, the, the RSNs. And I think the RSN the RSN productions are are, are really fantastic, so, which makes the the playoff comparisons a little bit difficult. Yankees Rays got good ratings this week in Tampa, even though attendance. You know, I've been to Tampa. I just can't believe that there's not better attendance at those games. That's another story. But the ratings on TV were very good, weren't they? Uh, yeah, and the ratings uh, up in New York too. It's, it, it seems like the, these two teams are creating a, a nice little rivalry that uh, isn't really matching the Red Sox Yankees rivalry in, in its heyday. But it's, it's it, I think. Uh, Last night's game was its third high. Yes, Network's third highest-rated game of the season, which uh, for a Yankee-Tampa Bay game, you know, you, you really wouldn't expect. I haven't had you on in a while, and I've wanted to ask you this question: the decision by LeBron James, big numbers on ESPN, but uh, boy, as we saw this week with LeBron's Q ratings, uh, it certainly didn't help his image at all, did it? Unless he, unless he wants to now be the villain, I suppose. Right. <laughs> it, it, it did. Uh, you, you know what's funny about that is it, it got huge numbers, but to, to what end? I mean, the, the only reason for ratings numbers is, is, is the, the the reason that we have ratings is so that they can sell uh, shows to advertisers. But that was a one-off show. They didn't have the uh, advertising. You know, they, they didn't control the advertising for it. And they can't sell off of it, so so it's a uh, you know for for ESPN they they didn't really get I, I don't I didn't see where ESPN uh, 
I don't see where that helped ESPN at all. Let's, let's put it that way. And it certainly hasn't helped LeBron James. I mean, he, he is he, he's become villain number one in the NBA, which is uh, which is almost shocking. Well, Jim Gray and ESPN took a lot of criticism for, I guess, presenting that platform the way that they did. You know, it does interesting open up an interesting question. You know, LeBron and a lot of these guys are represented by CAA and other agencies that not only represent athletes but movie stars. Do you think we may see more athletes? Do what LeBron did and have a big announcement when they have something to say. Uh, I think that that, that uh, they they've now f- uh, f- figured out that there's a vehicle uh, for if they do want to do that. I do think that LeBron's um, Le- LeBron was unique, and and you don't see this every year. I mean, he he had four cities vying for him. And and uh, and potentially getting him so so you know in terms of ratings you almost have like home ratings in you know in uh, Chicago and in Cleveland and in Miami and New York you know all all wait, waiting to see if he's going to pick their city it's all, all almost felt like you know the the Olympics like what city are they going to pick um, so I you know if if somebody has it that big ESPN clearly has has come out and said like this is some something that 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 they you know are interested in doing more of um, whether they would cede the kind of, kind of control that they ceded to LeBron. Is, I, I don't think they will, but uh, but I can see them doing that. Last question for you. Speaking of ESPN, they're set to take over uh, airing the BCS football games in 2011. How is their coverage, you think, going to be different than Fox? And do you think it's good that all the games will be on one network? Um, I, I think it's. I think it's. I have no problem with it being on on one network. I think what's what's going to be unique about this is when Fox did college football. That was all it had, so there was no buildup to the BCS games on Fox. You know, all the all the buildup uh, actually happened on ESPN, and then you had to go over to Fox. But here, like you're you're seeing BCS talk, and you're you're seeing some, you're almost seeing the BCS buildup on ESPN right now for their games. So I, I, it's it's going to be uh, it, it's going to be a little it's going to be a lot different, and and to me it could. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see. It could feel like more of an event just because they're they're going to be building up to this all season on the same network. Yeah, I think it will. John Aaron, he's with the Sports Business Daily, the Sports Business Journal. John, terrific follow on Twitter. How can people follow you on Twitter? Um, at Orand underscore SBJ. That's O-U-R-A-N-D at underscore, or rather, underscore SBJ. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Sports Business Radio this week. Hey, I always love it here. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. I can't tell you what it really is. I can only tell you what it feels like. And right now, it's a steel knife in my windpipe. I can't breathe, but I still fight. Well, I can fight as long as the wrong feels right. It's like I'm in flight. High off a log, drunk from my hate. It's like I'm off in pain. I love it the more I suffer. I suffocate right before I'm about to drown. She resuscitates me. She hates me. And I love it. Wait, where you going? I'm leaving you. No, you ain't come back. We're running right back. Here we go again. It's so insane. Cause when it's going good, it's going great. I'm Superman with the wind in his back. She's Lois Lane, but when it's bad, it's Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think 
there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what's, or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and with athletes, there's something called a Q-score. And it's also with celebrities, and it's a score that many companies use to measure the popularity of an athlete when they're selecting them as someone to represent their company. Well, CNBC's Darren Ravel wrote this week that LeBron James, his Q score, has gone seriously downhill this summer. We all know about the debacle with the decision, his decision to leave Cleveland, his hometown of Ohio, for Miami. And that's his right. I've said that before. But... The numbers speak for themselves. Griggs, only 14% of the people taking part in this poll see LeBron James as a positive figure. 77% see him as a negative figure. He is the sixth biggest villain now in all of sports. So, you know, he hasn't lost any endorsement deals because of this, but his popularity and the way he handled things this summer certainly didn't rub people the right way. It's just amazing how not even a year ago, Mr. Popular, everybody loves this guy. I mean, if you would have done this Q poll back then, it would have probably been flipped. You know, 20% hate, 80% love, and now, boom, this just happens and it's completely opposite. Now we'll see if LeBron can win a ring. Maybe he... uh becomes more popular in the Q ratings next year. All right, lots of thank yous on our show. John Orand from the Sports Business Daily and the Sports Business Journal. Chris Mike, who writes for us at sportsbusinessradio.com. Make sure to check out his wonderful columns. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harrison, Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page, Page, click on the iTunes link. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. We're on Twitter at SB Radio. We're also on Facebook. Link there through sportsbusinessradio.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. We'll talk to you on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.